Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Amen. Well, we're going to look at the story and the life of Jonah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, we're actually going to tackle the end of, of the book of Jonah. A great little book to read. If you haven't read it in a long time, great little book to, to, to read. Um, we, we know that, that something miraculous was, God was wanting to do something miraculous in the life of the Ninevites. And he raises up this prophet named Jonah. And he speaks to Jonah and he said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the word there so that they can repent, that they can come to their senses and, and, and I could do something amazing in their life. Well, Jonah had a problem with that. We'll read about that in just a, a little bit. But God, God chose Jonah for a reason. Sometimes we skip past this point that, that God raised up Jonah for this time of his life in, in ministry. God could have raised up any prophet to go to Nineveh and preach there and do a good work. God could have told anybody to go and, and preach the word of God, but he chose he chose Jonah for a reason. Not only did God want to send a revival to Nineveh, God actually wanted to send a revival into Jonah's own life. There was something that God wanted to accomplish in Nineveh, but there was certainly, as we read this text, that God wanted to, to accomplish in the life of Jonah. And I'm, I'm telling you, there are some things that God wants to accomplish in your life today and in my life today, and I'm, I'm praying that, that he does that. For all of us. So this is what happens. Of course, God purposely chooses Jonah to go to uh, Nineveh. Jonah was a prophet in the northern territory or the northern section or portion of, of Israel. And he tells him to go to Nineveh and just preach the word there. And, and the Ninevites were very barbaric people. They were, and I mean that very literally, they were, they were just barbarians. Um, very... Um, vile people, and their means of torture, for instance, were so extreme that, that I'm not even going to say them here this morning because there are younger people in the room, children in the room, and, and if I described what it was, it, it could be traumatic to them. I mean, I'm telling you, these were very, very vile people who knew how to torture, who knew how to torment others. And the, the grace of God had not been experienced by them. In fact, they were just filled with evil thoughts and evil ways. And Jonah, Jonah just didn't like them. So much so that the Lord called Jonah, hey, go to Nineveh and preach the word. And Jonah said, oh, I'll go, but not there. And he went, he tried to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He bought a ticket, he boarded a boat to get as far away as Nineveh as he possibly could. And so while he's on this ship, a big storm comes up, and of course, God created that storm. The sailors got scared. They started throwing things overboard, and they, they said, okay, somebody is on board that, that, um, in which a, a God, and I say that on purpose, a God is really, really angry. And so they, they, they kind of draw straws, you could say. They cast lots, to, and the lot landed on Jonah, and they said, oh, you're the one. He said, yeah, it's me, actually. Um, I'm running from the God. I'm running from the one who actually created the heavens and the earth, the land and the sea. And, and, they, and, and he said, if you just throw me overboard, 
this will all go away. And, and, and these guys were bad guys, but they weren't really bad guys. They're like, nah, we're not going to do that. They, they kept trying to, to go, and the storm just got worse. Like, God created the storm to be even worse. And so finally, they relented, and they did what Jonah suggested. They actually threw Jonah overboard. And when he went overboard, the storm just came to an end. But that wasn't the end of the story, that this huge fish comes and, and, and swallows Jonah, and Jonah lives in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, and in that, he, he actually worships the Lord. He takes some time because he, he honors God. He respects God. Isn't it interesting that he's honoring God and he respects God, but he's running from God at the same time? Have you ever, have you ever done things that, like you live a life of honor towards God, respect of God, and yet sometimes don't you rebel sometimes too? Am I the only one? I must, I'm, I'm probably the only one. It's all right. I'm, I'm probably the only one. Because we all have our moments, don't we? And, and so God in his mercy captures Jonah's attention, puts him in the, in the, in the, fish, in the belly of a fish where, where he has Jonah's full attention. Jonah comes to his senses, worships the Lord. The, the fish ends up spitting up Jonah on dry ground. I used to preach as a youth pastor the sermon called God Still Uses Vomit. It's great, everybody. It would be a great sermon. And, and God a second time, God a second time calls Jonah I really do want you to go to Nineveh, now go. And Jonah has this moment with the Lord who says, okay, I go. But in his heart, he knows that God wants to show his grace and his mercy to the Ninevites and is exactly opposite. It's the exact opposite of what Jonah wants God to do in Nineveh. He doesn't want Nineveh to repent. Jonah wants Nineveh to pay. And yet he goes, and he preaches the word. The Nineveh is a very big place. He preaches the word, and repentance, you could say a revival, sweeps across that city, even to the point that the king hears word and makes this decree, hey, we're all going to mourn and grieve for our sins, and we're going to turn to the Lord of lords and call upon his grace and his mercy in our lives, and of course, the Lord relents and doesn't send a calamity upon the Ninevites because of their repentance. So he goes there and he preaches the word and a revival sweeps across the city. And you think the story is over. You think, okay, well, that's it, end of story. And a lot of Bible teachers or Sunday school teachers would just end it right there. But the story is not over. There's still another chapter that is written after the story of Jonah and, as we used to say, the whale, Right? And it actually starts in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, which we're going to read first, and that'll set the stage for Jonah chapter 4. Jonah 3, 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on the Ninevites the destruction that he had threatened. Now watch this, Jonah 4, 1. But to Jonah, not to God, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. There are some things in your life and in my life and in the lives of others that we're going to watch, that we're going to see, and we're going to question God. Well, God, why don't you fix them? Make them pay. Teach them a lesson. 
I'm so angry, God, that you're not doing what I think you ought to do. If, if I were God, this is what I would do. But can, I, can I tell you something? If you've ever had that thought on behalf of the entire world, I'm glad you're not God, right? And, and uh, sometimes we get angry with God because we don't understand what he's doing in the life of someone else because he's far more patient, far more loving, far more gracious and merciful than we are. So to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? Like when I was still at home, that, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it's better for me to die than to live. Like I'm so irritated with the way that you're handling them. I'm just done. I, I, I'm just through with it. But the Lord replied, hey, hey, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. God, I love what you're doing in me. I love what you're doing for me. I can't stand it that you're doing it for those other people, though. I love your grace and your mercy and your patience in my life, but I don't want you to show them grace and mercy and patience in their lives. They don't deserve it. I deserve more grace than they deserve. I deserve more mercy than they deserve. Oh, how wrong we are. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah said, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. How many knows Jonah is not, he's not learning the lesson that God's trying to teach him. He's just not learning it. Have you ever been stubborn and not learned the lesson that the Lord tried to teach you? Oh, I have. I have. Where, where God had to, to teach me multiple times. And that's sometimes not fun to go through. But the Lord said, the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? I want to tell you a few, a few things about this. First of all, if, you want, if you're looking for a verse that says God cares about animals, there it is right there. That, that God not only cares for people, but he also cares for animal, animals. In the original text, it actually says that God cares for animals except cats. That's what he says in the original text. <laughs> I could be lying about that. That could be a lie. Sometimes there's tension in our soul because we're talking about, if you, I, that was just a joke. If you, I'm just joking. Sometimes there's tension in our soul, not because of what God is doing in us, 
but what, is, but, but what God is doing in others or what he is not doing in others. Sometimes there's tension in our soul. And I'm going to show you this this morning. And I want to tell you up front, you might as well pull your toes in because I'm going to do some stepping today. The, the first service, I was overwhelmed by the amount of people that this connected with when we had our response time. And, and I want you to really listen and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you as I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in me. The book of Jonah, we often see what Jonah does, but I believe the book of Jonah is not only just showing us what, what Jonah did, it actually shows us who he was. And there are circumstances in your life that, that, that easily show people not only what you do, but actually show who you are. It reveals not only what you do, but it reveals who you are and how you think. There are circumstances in your life that God is allowing in your life because it's revealing who you are. So here we have Jonah, who's actually, if you think about this, he goes to Nineveh, preaches repentance, and everybody repents. They come to their senses. God relents, doesn't send calamity on it, and Jonah is upset with his own successful preaching. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Have you ever thought about that? He's upset because his preaching was actually really well received. Now, I've never had that thought before. I hope I never do. All right. But his personal emotions were in conflict with what he thought God should be doing compared to what God was actually doing. His own emotions were in conflict with the will of God versus his own will. So he simply just doesn't agree with God's plan concerning someone else. Have you been there? Well, God, why don't you just take them out? God, why do you still allow them to do that? God, why are they still around? How come, how come they don't get punished for what they're doing? God, if you would only deal with them, or if you would only make their boss deal with them, or if you would make their, their parents deal with them, or their neighbors deal with them, or the HOA deal with them, if you would just deal with them, like, I don't understand why you're not doing what I think you ought to do. And we get mad at God, and we become critical of others. See, we love it that God is patient with us. We love it when God is patient with us. But sometimes we don't like it when God is patient with others. And we love it when God shows his goodness to us, but oftentimes we don't like it when God shows his goodness to others. The ones that we can't stand, the ones that we don't like, the ones that we look down on, it bothers us that they're not getting what they deserve. And yet, we love the fact that we're not getting what we deserve. We love God's mercy. Sometimes we just don't want him to show his mercy to others. Stepping on your toes yet? See, we often judge others by what they do, but we judge ourselves by what we want to do. We often judge others by who they are, but judge ourselves according to who we want to be. 
and we don't apply equal judgment. And what I found out is if you focus your life on being critical of other people, if you focus your life criticizing other people, it will steal your joy. When you focus your life on what the family members are doing wrong and how they're not living life the way that they should life they, they should live. And if they would only wisen up and if they would only live life better, if they would get rid of all of these things in their life, if they would just wisen up, you say. If my boss, if he would just do this, if she would just do that, then the world would just be a better place. If my neighbor would just... World would be a better place. And we live our lives being so critical of other people. Being so critical of how other people are living their life. Sometimes we're like Jonah. That we're not asking for, for, for God to allow them to repent because we want them to pay. Well, they need to know that they've done wrong. They need to know that they've messed up. They don't deserve. How come they get to do that? How come they're getting to enjoy that? They don't deserve those things. And then we compare ourselves with them. Well, I've never done that. Well, I've never said that. I've never went there. I never acted like that. And we start this comparison between us and them. And we develop, everybody, a critical spirit. A critical spirit, not critical of ourselves, but critical of others. And the Bible clearly states, why are you looking at the toothpick in somebody else's eye when you've got a telephone pole in your own, right? That we become so critical that we disagree with how God is doing things. In fact, Jesus tells this, this story. I believe it's Matthew. I know it's Matthew. I want to say it's Matthew chapter 20. That, that Jesus is speaking. He said he goes and he hires these people for the day. And the, 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 the employer does. He goes and he, he goes early in the morning. He says, hey, would you... Would you come and, and, and work in the field today for, for one denarius? And they say, well, sure. Yeah, we were here looking for work. And then he goes back at nine and he says, hey, would, eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Hey, would you guys come and work? I need more workers. And they say, sure. And then he goes back at noon. Hey, would you guys like to come and work? And they say, sure. And then he goes back at three. Would you guys like to work? Sure. Then he goes back at five. Hey, would you guys like to work? And they say, yeah, we've been standing around all day. And they go and work. And at the end of the day, he gives the workers who came at five o'clock the same amount of money that he gave the workers that came first thing in the morning. And those workers who showed up first thing in the morning said, hey, that's not right. Look at what you paid them. You need to pay us more. Because we've done more. And God, we don't think it's fair that you're treating them with such grace and such mercy as if they put in the time that we've put in. And, 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 and he looks at them and he says, have I mistreated you? Am I not giving you what I said I would give you? Well, well yeah, you are, but I deserve more. 
Don't you see what I've done? They deserve less. Don't you see what they haven't done? They haven't lived like I have. They haven't worked like I have. They haven't made the good decisions I've made. And God is saying to you and me today, you need to drop that critical spirit. Because I've got news for you here in this room. You're not God. And God is always just. And he's always fair. And he's always perfect. But you and I, we struggle with that because we have what's called a sin nature. And we struggle with it. And it's, it's this battle inside of us. We're so easy to look down on other people and be critical of other people. And then we look to God and say, God, that's not fair. I don't want them to repent. I want them to pay. And God says, have I not shown you mercy? Have I not shown you grace? If you live, new song, listen to me. It's the only message of of today. But listen, hear, hear me on. If you live your life being critical of God or critical of others, you will live a miserable life. You will have no joy in your soul. You will have no peace in your soul. Criticism is connected to pride. Did you know that? The Bible says that God opposes the proud. But well, I don't want God to oppose me. I just want him to oppose them. Listen, God wants to work in them. But apparently, he also wants to work in you and in me. You know, yesterday, I, I, uh, I, I was at my property on just a few acres in Stark County, as I've told you guys. And, 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 you know, one of the most glorious days of the year is coming, October 1st. It's the first day of bow season, you know, and I'm getting ready for that. So I'm getting out there prepping the property, and I'm, I'm looking at pictures. Uh, I, got, I got pictures on my phone. If, I'm just saying if you want to see today, I, have a, I, got, I got a big buck that I'm after this year. His name, his, I, I named him Chase because he chases around all the other bucks. I have that on camera, by the way, everybody. And then I have another buck that has, that's a double main beam. On one side, he has two main beams coming out. I've never seen one of those in person, but, but he's on my property, everybody. But he's too young, he's too young to take, I'm going to let him grow. because He's only about a year and a half old, which is really rare. But I, don't, I, I get off track. I get off track. <laughs> and so I, I go, to, I go to, to, uh, to Knox, and I think to myself, you know, it was a really busy day. Actually, it, the, the whole weekend was a really busy weekend, and I, I knew I had to get a a haircut, so I go to Knox Beauty College because it's only five bucks for a haircut. And normally my wife just does it, but I figure, hey, I'm going to go to Knox Beauty College, and they're all beginners. And I think, hey, you can't get clippers wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like you just can't mess that up. And you're like, wow, they cut all three of your hair. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. And so even I get haircuts, everybody. And so I'm sitting in Knox Beauty College, and I'm, I'm at this little bench. If you've ever been in there, there's a little seating area, and, and I got I got one guy here who, who's a big dude, big dude. 
Uh, he's in his he's in his 70s. Has to be in his 70s. I have another a younger guy right here. He's in. A, he said he's 22. He said it out loud. That's how I know. And and I just kept my mouth shut. These guys are talking back and forth, but mostly this guy's talking. Mostly the older guy, because there's another gentleman and his two children sitting over here, and they're playing iPhones. Well, this guy who's in his 70s starts going off on video games. He starts, he, he pretty much saying, oh, by the way, you're a bad parent because you're allowing them to play. And that parent, he's kind of getting a little irritated. He says, you know what? Actually, we don't allow my children to play video games all week long. We only allow it on the weekends. And uh, last I checked, this is Saturday and they, they can play video games today. It's not going to kill them. And, and I was like, hey, good for you, dad. You stood up for yourself, you know, and hey, great job though, that you keep them, you know, focused on schoolwork during the week. I think that's a good lesson. We did that for our kids too. And and that's a whole other sermon to preach later on, and and um, maybe just an opinion to share, really. So, so this guy, he, he he so so he gets quieted down on that subject, but then he changes the tune. Then he then he goes to healthcare because he got sick, and how healthcare people all they want is your money. Doctors all they want is the money. Hospitals all they want is the money. They want to they want to tell everybody that they have COVID because they get more money from the government. And then he goes off of the work ethic of this younger generation. And I'm thinking, man, you're sitting next to like a 28 year old here, and then this 22 year old right beside me. And I'm just keeping my mouth shut. I'm like, I don't want I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be connected to this guy because he was he was a bigger guy like I was. He has red hair and it was thinning and I thought they might think we're together and we're not together and you know I'm just going through all of these thoughts I'm just staying silent he's talking about work ethic and this guy over here the 22 year old well, I'm 22 but I can't find a job that nobody's hiring right now and I'm thinking to myself nobody's hiring what are you talking about nobody's hiring I, I mean jobs are everywhere and this guy picks that up and I'm not saying anything but this guy just starts well there's nobody that works today this generation and he's just I'll tell you the guy didn't smile one bit he didn't laugh one time. He was ripping on everybody and everything. And, and I was getting so uncomfortable because all of a sudden he starts talking about politics. And I'll tell you what's wrong with the government, too. And this lady comes up. She says, she says Justin, is there a job? I'm like, yes, that's me right there. Like, hour of deliverance, everybody. I went to that chair like nobody's business because I wanted to escape that conversation and this guy, this guy was living, this guy was living a miserable life. But he was miserable not because he wasn't enjoying the, the blessings or, or a good life himself. He was miserable because his focus was on what everybody else was doing wrong. He had a critical spirit and it has stolen his joy because he was too focused on what the world should be doing and what God should be doing in the world. What's wrong with everybody else? And if everybody just lived life the way that I live life, this world would be right. That's not true. Because you're not perfect either. How about this? If we all lived life like Jesus lived life, Okay, we could talk about that. But that critical spirit that this man had has created tension inside of his soul. And there was no joy in his life whatsoever. And everybody in that room was uncomfortable being around him. And he didn't see it. He just thought, well, of course, everybody's going to agree with me because I'm obviously right. And I was thinking to myself, 
you're the guy who I'm going to be preaching about tomorrow. Critical, high-minded. God, fix them. Set them straight. God, why are you being patient with them? Why are you being kind to them? Why are you not dealing with them? They need to pay. And God is saying, no, 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 I want them to repent. I don't want them to have to pay. I want them to repent. Sometimes we end up criticizing others instead of praying for them and certainly instead of speaking a blessing over them like the Bible tells us to do. I I find myself frustrated with other people. It's easy for me to get critical of others. You wouldn't believe the stories that I hear. And I've, I've just learned in life that I'm nothing to brag about. But the grace of God in my life is something I can brag about. The mercy of God in my life is something I can brag about. I can't brag about me. There's nothing good in me to brag about. But Jesus in me, oh, he's made a difference. And I just have to remind myself over and over and over and again that the love and the grace and the mercy and the patience and the kindness that I've received from my Heavenly Father, He wants to show to everybody. And I am called to be a conduit of His grace and His mercy. I'm not called to be critical. I'm called to love. The Bible says I'm called to consider others as being more important than myself. That's the call of God on my life. See, we often want to enjoy the grace and the, God, and, 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 the, and the compassion and the goodness of God ourselves while wanting others to learn their lesson. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He said, Dear friends, if like Jonah... You want to complain? You will soon have something to complain about. People who are resolved to fret generally make for themselves causes for fretfulness. And what what he's saying is, if you look around and you want to be critical, you'll easily find it. You'll find reasons to be critical. You'll find reasons to be prideful and high-minded. You'll also find reasons... to live a life of pride instead of peace, of anger instead of joy. And the turmoil inside of you, if you have a critical spirit, the turmoil inside of you will just grow and grow and grow. And it will will not only affect you, it'll start affecting everybody around you. In fact, nobody will want to be around you because of the critical spirit. And I'm here to tell you today that the Lord wants to deliver you from a spirit that is critical, from a spirit that is prideful. And he wants you to be like Jesus who humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. 
that's how we're meant to live life. But yet we really struggle, don't we? Am I the only one? I really struggle with this sometimes. So again, I think I'm preaching this sermon series to myself, actually. And I get to hear it three times a day. Maybe I need it three times. I don't know. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me today. Do you have a critical spirit? If you want to enjoy soul relief, if you, if you want to be at peace in your soul and have joy in your soul, I promise you, living a critical life will steal those things from you. In fact, what you're doing is you're just kind of handing those things away. Here, take my joy. Here, take my peace. I'm going to choose pride. I'm going to choose to be critical. What a terrible way to live life, isn't it? And it makes sense to us, doesn't it? Like, as I say that, you're sitting there saying, yeah, he's right. He's right. That's a terrible way to live life. But it's so easy, isn't it, to look down our nose at others, to criticize others, to think that we have it all together and nobody else knows how to live life except for me. Let's drop that attitude. That is not from God. Our job is to love in humility and in grace and in mercy, to be a reflection of our heavenly father in this earth who is full of grace and compassion and kindness. We should live our lives not wanting other people to pay, but wanting other people to repent and to have a growing, thriving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head, every, every head down, I'm gonna ask a question. Is that you today? Do you, I'm asking very honestly, and you're gonna hold your hand up and hold it really high. Nobody's looking around. I'm gonna ask you a question today. Do you have a critical spirit? And do you wanna be free from it today? If so, raise your hand really high. Yeah, lots of hands. Lots of, just leave them right up. We're gonna to pray together. This is just a mass altar call right here, right now. Heavenly Father, I declare that I will not live a critical, complaining life of pride. But today I choose to walk in compassion. I choose to walk in mercy. I choose to walk in grace as a reflection of my Savior. I thank you for the grace that you show me. I thank you for the compassion and the mercy that you've shown me. And I thank you today that you're showing others your grace and your mercy and your compassion. Father, the way that that you've been kind and patient with me, I pray that you would be kind and patient with them and draw them to yourself. And today I speak a blessing over them. And I bless them with an outpouring of your spirit and your presence in their lives. And I pray that you would heal them from the inside out. Lord, that's what your word tells me to do, to pray for my enemies, to speak a blessing over those who ridicule me or I just look down upon. Father, I choose to obey your word today. And I reject a critical spirit in my life. And I declare that I am free indeed. That I now live a life of joy and peace in the Holy Ghost and in the Son of God who gave his life for me. Today I choose to reflect the grace of God that I've been shown and the mercy of God 
that I've been shown. I choose to reflect it in my life. And I reject and denounce a critical spirit. And today I declare I am free from it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your grace. And I pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen, everybody. Would you do that? You received the word of the Lord today, yes or no? It's a good word. I want to see you here tonight. We have our worship and prayer time tonight, 6 o'clock. And then tomorrow night, we have our church picnic at the, at the pavilions by the pool at 6 o'clock is when we're going to be eating. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.